This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. My dad, Rion, passed away from a heart attack two weeks ago at the age of 70. His sudden death rocked me. And I have questions. What happened to him when he died? Was that the end of his existence? Or is he still alive, but in a different context? Is there life after death? This topic hit home like it hasn't before. I've done multiple funerals. The toughest ones are when the one who died is young. Over the last two years, we've had a three-year-old drown in a pool, a four-year-old suddenly die from a brain disease, and a 12-year-old instantly die in a car crash. In each of these cases, we were there at the morgue or in the hospital where the last breath was breathed. Every time it felt like a truck drove over me to see the family devastated, struggling with questions and pain. You see, death tends to hit us between the eyes, even as it did me when my dad suddenly died. His heart stopped beating and my heart was shattered. For many, when tragedy strikes, they ask, where is God in this? Surely God is not good. If He did this or allowed this, He's not good. And this at times develop into anger and disappointment that can lead to us saying, there is no God. And even if there is a God, I want nothing to do with it. If He allows little kids to die, no thank you. And I can understand such sentiments. We struggle to understand death, pain, and disappointment. Is that the end? Do we simply disappear in that moment when we breathe our last? Is it an eternal nothingness? Or do we live on? Will we be reunited with our loved ones again? Or is that a pipe dream? You see, many claim to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. They claim that this life is all we have and then nothing. When we look at these things on a surface level, it might seem so, but when we just scratch below the surface and we ask the right questions, we might be surprised with the answers we get. My grandfather, Professor Quibus van Sale, was a brilliant man. He was a professor of surgery at the University of Stellenbosch, a gifted man. He was a man of science, an intellectual, and he did not believe in the existence of God or in life after death. He was offended with the church. He felt that Christians were hypocrites. He did not feel the need to attend church. So one day, my grandfather, as he was driving home from the hospital, he suddenly felt this pain in his chest. He realized that he was having the symptoms of an impending heart attack. So he turned around quickly, drove back to the emergency rooms at the Tigerberg Hospital near Cape Town. He walked into the ER and he informed the doctors and nurses of the symptoms he was feeling. He knew them well, put him in one of the wards to monitor him. Later on that day, he had a massive heart attack. The medical staff did all they could to resuscitate him. At some point, he was shocked with a defibrillator 
to get his heart going again. And something unexpected took place at that moment. The next moment, my grandfather was sitting against the ceiling, looking down upon his body and the doctors and the nurses who were working on him to bring him back to life. To his great shock, his spirit had left his body and he was aware of what was happening around him. Later on, as he was brought back to life, he returned to his body. This experience had a huge impact on him. His previous confidence that there is no life after death was shaken. He shared this experience with his family and made a small carving from a piece of wood of what he saw as he looked down upon his body from the ceiling. You see, you and I are one encounter away from changing our minds about life after death. My grandfather was a respected academic. He gained nothing by making up such a story. You see, people tend to mock those who say they experience something like this. And that is one of the reasons why many remain quiet about what they experienced. Now, is this an exceptional story? Or could there be many more such stories? What if there is life after death? What if you live on when your heart stops beating? Over the last week, I discovered this book, Imagine Heaven by John Burke. The book is based on the study of NDEs or near-death experiences. People who clinically died were resuscitated and claimed to have gotten a peek into the afterlife. He includes over a hundred NDE stories of doctors, professors, bankers, and children. People who had no benefit in making up these stories. It's incredible that many of the accounts are exactly the same as my grandfather's. While the person was being resuscitated, they were suddenly sitting against the ceiling, looking down upon their body. There are thousands upon thousands of similar stories, and many peer-reviewed scientific studies have been done to evaluate if these accounts are true and trustworthy. The stories shared by many who had NDEs are of a heavenly place having a beauty surpassing Earth's favorite holiday destinations. People alive and active in a world not unlike ours, yet so infused with such exhilarating love, purpose and belonging that it made Earth seem merely a shadow of the real life to come. According to these stories, heaven is an exciting place to be. Now that is good news. With the advent of modern medicine and superior resuscitation techniques, the prevalence of people being brought back from clinical death has soared. In 1982, a Gallup poll reported that 8 million people have had near-death episodes, according to the New York Times. In the past 40 years, studies in the United States and Germany suggest approximately 4.2% of the population has reported a near-death experience, an NDE. That's one out of every 25 people, or in our case, nearly 2 million South Africans. So this book and the stories I've read by respected doctors has certainly opened my eyes to the realities of life after death. I know for many, 
This is extremely difficult to accept. But today, I want to stir your faith. I want to give you evidence for life after death and motivate you to make your life count. In the light of heaven, everything on earth looks different. Time is running out. Your life is like an hourglass or sand clock. When you look at the bottom part of the hourglass, you can see how much sand has fallen through. You know how long you've been alive, 20 or 30 years, and that's the amount of sand you see at the bottom. You know how much time has passed, but you do not know how much sand is still available, how much time is still available. The grains of sand will stop at some point, and life here on earth will come to an end. We tend to ignore the topic of death and how much time we have left. We tend to think we're going to live for a very long time. But the truth is that time is running out for all of us. Your life will come to an end. Are you ready? And as the grains of sand fall from above to below, did you grab hold of its full potential? Did you invest the moment well? Or did it slip through your hands? Another wasted moment. What if we could make every grain of sand, every moment in time count? Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Now that's a good prayer to pray. Lord, teach me to invest my life well, to number every day, to make every day count. The day before my dad's funeral, I had a revelation where these words dropped into my heart. You have one life, make it count. How about making your life count? The bit of time you have in this body here on earth. One of the researchers on NDEs is a Dr. Sabum. What convinced Dr. Sabum and other skeptical doctors of life beyond death were patients claiming they had left their physical body and observed their own resuscitation. Here was some verifiable way to substantiate whether these tales were more than hallucination or reactions of a dying brain. So Dr. Sabum records multiple stories like that of Pete Morton. Dr. Sabum shares, Pete told me he had left his body during his first cardiac arrest and had watched the resuscitation. When I asked him to tell me what exactly he saw, he described the resuscitation with such detail and accuracy that I could have later used the tape to teach physicians. Amazing. Pete remembered seeing a doctor's first attempt to restore his heartbeat. Now, this is what Pete says. He says, he struck me. And I mean, he really whacked me. He came back with his fist from way behind his head and he hit me right in the center of my chest. Pete remembered them inserting a needle into his chest in a procedure that he said looked like one of those Aztec Indian rituals where they take the, the virgin's heart out. He even remembered thinking that when they shocked him, they gave him too much voltage. Man, my body jumped about two feet off the table, Pete said. Before talking with Pete and scores like him, Sabum says, I didn't believe there was such a thing as a near-death experience. These people 
like Pete Morton, saw details of their resuscitation that they could not otherwise have seen. In many cases, I was able to confirm the patient's testimony with medical records and with hospital staff. Another researcher, Dr. Long, has collected and scientifically studied thousands of accounts from around the world. Dr. Long's extensive study led him to conclude NDEs provide such powerful scientific evidence that it is reasonable to accept the existence of an afterlife. In many of the NDE stories, as the person experiences incredible peace, love and joy in a heavenly environment, they don't want to return to this world because that world is so much better. But in many cases, they are told that your time hasn't come yet. And that reveals that there is a heavenly plan for our lives. There is a time to die and there is a time to live fully. If you still have breath in your lungs, then you still have much to do. The stories of NDEs generally followed a certain sequence of events. It begins with a dying man or woman reaching a climax of intense physical anguish, even hearing the attending physician announce his death. Immediately, he finds himself no longer in his physical body, yet often still in the immediate surroundings. He is now merely observing his own body from a distance. At first, he is confused and unaware that he has died. He takes note that he seems to still have a body, but one that is very different than his previous physical body in nature and ability. Eventually, others also show up to offer support in various ways. He sees the spirits of deceased family and friends. Then, a being of light appears, brighter than the sun, who is described as uniquely and supremely warm and loving. This loving being asks questions, communicated through thoughts, leading him to examine his actions, often including a living replay of his entire life. This sequence of events is confirmed by Scripture. In Hebrews 9, 27, it says, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, the evaluation. Also, Christ was offered once for all as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for Him. You see, you will die once, and then an evaluation or judgment of your life will follow. Did you make your life count? That's the question. The good news is that Jesus also died once, a sacrifice for all your and my sins. There is forgiveness found in Him. Simply ask Him for it. Also, forgiveness for wasted time, for a wasted life. It's never too late to get your life moving in the right direction. Jesus is bringing salvation and making salvation available to all who calls upon His name. Now, the sequence of an NDE continues. Afterward, he encounters some sort of boundary, seemingly the border between earth life as he knows it and eternal life. But at the edge, he discovers he must return to earth because it is not yet his time to die. He protests 
and does not want to return due to the powerful feelings of peace, joy, and love enveloping him. But even though he is resistant, he finds himself back in his physical body and continues to live. Thousands of such stories have this trend in it. And then after reading close to 1,000 NDE stories, the most common thing the, the author heard was how impossible it is to put it into words. Listen to the expressions of people's struggle. There are no human words that even come close, says Crystal. There are no words to express his divine presence, says Gary. What I saw was too beautiful for words, a Dutch patient. The kind of love that I experienced there cannot be expressed in words. Suresh, each one sharing their incredible encounters. How you think about heaven affects everything in life. How you prioritize love, how willing you are to sacrifice for the long term, how you view suffering, what you fear or don't fear. We need to picture or at least try to picture how magnificent, how spectacular, how much fun heaven will be. How much of what we love about this life and more awaits us in heaven. Unfortunately, not every NDE is positive. It seems that at least 50% of NDEs are extremely negative. Dr. Maurice Rawlings did not believe in God or the afterlife when he had a harrowing experience one evening in 1977. While doing a stress test, a 40-year-old man had a cardiac arrest and dropped dead in his office. Three nurses rushed in and began CPR while Dr. Rawlings started external heart massage, but the heart would not maintain its own beat. Dr. Rawlings recalls the patient began coming too. He said, whenever I would interrupt my compression of his chest, the patient would again lose consciousness, stop breathing and die once more. Each time he regained heartbeat and respiration, the patient screamed, I am in hell. He was terrified and pleaded with me to help him. The doctor says, I was scared to death. In fact, this episode literally scared the hell out of me, he says. After several resuscitations, the man pleaded, don't you understand, I am in hell. Each time you quit, I go back to hell. Don't let me go back to hell. The doctor says, I dismissed his complaint and told him to keep his hell to himself until I finished getting the space maker into place. But the man was serious. He said, how do I stay out of hell? Pray for me, he begged. Pray for me. The doctor says, what a nerve. I told him I was a doctor, not a preacher. But pray for me, he repeated. It was a dying man's request. So Dr. Rawlings drew on the little bit of Sunday school he remembered, even if he didn't believe it himself. He had the man repeat after him while he continued to work. Lord Jesus, I ask you to keep me out of hell. Forgive my sins. I turn my life over to you. If I die, I want to go to heaven. If I live, I'll be on the hook forever. The patient's condition finally stabilized. And a couple of days later, Dr. Rawlings asked his patient to explain what he saw in hell. The patient could not recall any of the unpleasant events. Only pleasant ones 
when he again flatlined after the prayer. So something shifted after that prayer. Rawlings reflects, apparently the experiences were so frightening, they were subsequently suppressed far into his subconscious. He does recall standing in the back of the room and watching us work on his body there on the floor. He also recalls meeting both his deceased mother and stepmother during one of these subsequent death episodes. This experience after the prayer was very pleasurable, occurring in a narrow valley with very, very lush vegetation and a brilliant illumination by a huge beam of light. He saw his birth mother for the first time. She had died at age 21 when he was 15 months old. This event changed Dr. Rawlings' beliefs. And after doing his own research, he writes in the book, Beyond Death's Door, not all death experiences are good. The unpleasant experiences in my study have turned out to be at least as frequent as the pleasant ones. Heaven, a place of incredible peace, joy, and love. Hell, a place of terrible torment. I know many are skeptical about this, but we should follow the evidence wherever it leads, even if it's uncomfortable. And if these places are real, shouldn't we make our lives right with Jesus? We ignore these stories at our own peril. You have one life, make it count. So how do we make our lives count? In short, we need to be aware of God and the people that's on His heart. It's not about doing a hundred things. It's about doing the one or two significant things like loving the people He lays on our hearts every day. That is the Spirit-filled life. So what are the one or two things you need to do today to connect with God or to love someone well? Maybe you need to make things right with God today. Maybe you have found excuses why you don't want to turn to God. Like, you know, this God thing isn't real. Well, what if it is? A step of faith is a step into the light, into freedom. Some say, I will believe it when I see it. No, the truth is, that is not how it works. You will see it when you believe it. Childlike trust gives us eyes to see what the proud cannot see. Take that step today. You have nothing to lose, only heaven to gain. The glorious being of light, Jesus, who shines brighter than the sun and who loves you with a perfect love is ready to meet with you right now. So pray this prayer with me and make your life count. Father God, if you are real, I want to know you. If heaven is real, I want to go there one day. Lord Jesus Christ, forgive me all my sin. Wash me clean and make me a new person. I have one life. I want to make it count. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.